Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Force Time. My name is Travis and today I am here with Nick Peroni. Nick Peroni is back. Back, back from the dead. <laughs> back from the dead. Yeah. It's like Lyra in Rogue One. Um, yes, Nick is back. He uh, took a an extended period of time as a little break. Uh, he just took a summer vacation. He went and uh, explored the world and, and saw what else was out there other than this podcast. But he is back now. Uh, Nick, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Travis. Thanks for having me back. It uh, it was well it was well deserved rest, um, but uh, you had uh, a great job. I, I listened to all of the ones that you did without me, and um, the people that you talked to. Kara has done a great job, and Tori from Creature Cartel, and Emily, and then I, I really really loved your talk with Sarah um, and her work with Doctor Afra. It's just you had a great cast of of uh, guests and co-hosts since I've been gone. So thank you everyone who came in to help force time along. Yeah, it was great. It was good to have some a variety of people on and yeah, that Sarah Kuna episode uh, was very cool to do. And um, yeah, it was so fun talking about Dr. Afra and getting to get into her creative process a little bit, but yeah, everybody had a, had a lot of guests and um, yeah, been a weird weird year and uh yeah it's, but it's been good to at least have something to do to hopefully bring a little bit of joy to to people so uh but yeah well welcome back and it's an exciting time we're, we're 19 days away from the mandalorian just a couple weeks out and we thought it'd be Ooh, a great time yeah we thought it'd be a great time to do a little bit of a season two primer, get everybody ready, uh, get ourselves back ready, kind of recap season one, talk a little bit about the trailer for season two, talk a little bit about what we know for season two, and then also speculate a little bit because there's all sorts of speculation. There's uh, pretty much every single character that's ever been in Star Wars is going to be in Mandalorian season two. So uh, we'll see what actually happens here in a couple weeks. But yeah, that'd be fun to get everybody excited and get ready. I know I'm pumped. I can't wait. I've been watching the Mandalorian. I watched some of the Disney gallery again, uh, just listening to the music from season one. Just, just so good. How have you been getting ready, Nick? Uh, the same I've watched, uh, one through eight, uh, two times in the last month, which is a little crazy. Um, also viewing the gallery. I've watched season two trailer probably a thousand times trying to find little, things that I, I miss. I don't know why I'm obsessed with it. Um, my youngest daughter, Henley, uh, who's three years old or four years old, excuse me, uh, said, oh, dad, you're watching that thing again. <laughs> Cause I actually had streamed it to the TV this time. Cause like, if it's bigger, I'm going to pick up on more things. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. I've been really getting to the back of the swing of, uh, I miss star Wars, you know, I feel like we were a little lull there, uh, after, uh, Rise of Skywalker, and uh, you know, just barely had any new content minus books and comics, and you know, so this is I'm really good for some really yearning for some new content. So I'm trying to fill those voids here and there. Rewatch a couple of Rebels episodes as well that we've touched on before, but also I feel like trying to pick up on Mandalore and the Mandalorian stuff if I missed it, missed anything. So anything and everything to just get back in the mood. 
I've kind of been the same way. I've watched watched The Mandalorian a couple times within the past couple weeks. Um, there has been a lot, just uh, smaller things coming out. Comics, uh, Jedi Temple Challenge was a lot of fun over the summer. Um, but yeah, it's nice to get somewhat of a larger scale story and get more live action Star Wars because yeah, we haven't haven't got that in a little bit. So it'll be, which sounds funny because from 2005 to 2015 we literally had zero live action content and now we're getting it yearly and we're just extremely spoiled with everything that's coming out but yeah exciting that it's it's almost here so let's go ahead we're gonna do a quick season one recap just to get everybody back into it if you haven't watched season one in a while hopefully we can kind of get you up to speed with everything so you ready to get started Spoil yeah. Spoiler alerts. You, we've passed the t- we've passed the times. So. Yes, if you already watched. Far, yes, absolutely. Uh, we are definitely getting into spoilers. So, all right, we're gonna go ahead and get started. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. So, season one, we are five years post Return of the Jedi. So, post fall of the Empire, but we know there's still remnants of the Empire around. We know. Uh, especially later in the season that the new Republic is pretty established seems like, but yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So chapter one, Nick, do you want to talk about chapter one real quick? It, it was called the Mandalorian and it was directed by Dave Filoni. So chapter one of season one. Yeah, this is uh, a really, really good opener to a season. I, I feel um, it, it grabbed everyone. It's amazing how they kept everything under wraps for so long to get to the ending. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it starts, like you said, five years after Jedi and it's cool. You know, the Mando is obviously a bounty hunter. The first scene is one of the coolest intros, I think. Um, Blast that door and snaps that uh, corn in half and freezes his his bounty in carbonite and then takes that bounty to um, we meet Grief Karga and Carl Weathers on Navarro, which turns out to be a, a pretty important planet. You know, so from there, he gets a new assignment. The assignment takes him to Arvala 7 where he meets a really, really cool Ugnaught called Kiwil uh, and uh, goes on an adventure with this guy to get where he needs to go to get said bounty. He gets there, and lo and behold, he meets you know IG-11, another bounty hunter. They go into a pretty dang cool fight scene. Uh, they team up, and then it's revealed at the end that it's the child, uh, a remnant of looks like Yoda. Obviously, everyone calls it a baby Yoda. Uh, we don't know much about the species besides Yoda and, and Yaddle from episode one. So it really, it's a real good intro to the series. You get a little backstory on Jin, um, you know, where Din Djarin, where he's from, you know, how he becomes a foundling. Um, that kind of ties all together. You know, he has, he has a mistrust for droids. So it's a really, really great action sequence, really, really good beginning. And like I said, it's, it's amazing how they kept that a secret for so long to have that, that child or baby Yoda not revealed until that first episode. Yeah, it was, it's crazy. Just thinking about, we had 45 or 50 minutes of, of the Mandalorian without baby Yoda. And then you get to the very end of the episode. You're like, what? Like how, like how did they keep that a secret? Like you said, like that's one of the biggest things that just blows my mind still is that they kept that a secret. And that just doesn't happen, especially in star Wars and especially in star Wars over the last like five years. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that came out prior to Force Awakens. Last Jedi didn't really have a lot of spoilers that were out there. The Rise of Skywalker, I mean, the, the whole thing pretty much leaked before it came out. And it's like, how, you know, how do they how do they keep something that important that plays such a big part in the show 
under wraps. So yeah, yeah. No, that's chapter one was was one of the best ones, and yeah, just once you get to the end there, it's just it's insane. You know, it's it's it. What's cool about it is, you know, when when you're introducing something new like that, like a TV show, where everyone's not used to it. You know, they they uh, they did a really great job in that first episode. But my, one of my favorite things about that episode was when you're trying to grab new audience members that maybe never have watched or watched all of it, or maybe they watched the originally but didn't watch the prequels or didn't didn't like the sequels, whatever it may be, throwing little nuances in there that gets everyone to notice those little Easter eggs that you see the little um, you know, little monkeys on the uh, on the barbecue and it, it grabs you the nostalgia of the show already grabs you for you know to get everyone involved i mean this became a hit for everyone not just the original trilogy fans or the prequel trilogy fans or the sequel trilogy fans or people that just like us that just love all star Wars content but they really really did an amazing job grabbing everyone and i think that's probably part of the reason they had dave filoni direct that first episode and you know because he he knows star wars probably better than almost anybody and yeah, just throwing that stuff in where it wasn't like a slap in the face, like here, look at this Kowakian monkey lizard or like here, look at this, you know, it was just like in passing and he just, he weaved it in really well to remind you you're in star Wars, but also this is a brand new story that you, you, you really don't know what you're, what you're in for. Then we get to chapter two, uh, which is called the child directed by Rick Famuyiwa and I talked to Kara about this on the show a couple months ago, but this episode basically doesn't have any human faces in it because it has, it has the Mandalorian, it has Quill, and then it has a bunch of Jawas and it has the Trandoshans at the beginning, but that's pretty much it. Right. And then uh, the Jawas, they, by the time the Mandalorian gets back to his ship with baby Yoda, the Jawas have completely dismantled it. And so he has to chase them down. And then really the big part of this episode is at the end where he has to negotiate with the Jawas and he has to go steal this giant egg from what he finds out is this big cave of a mudhorn. And we see that baby Yoda, the child is using the force like in a big way. He saves the Mandalorian. The mudhorn is charging at him and the Mandalorian's like all the way down, like beat up and, the child uses the force to hold the mud horn in the air. So automatically we're like, whoa, this child is obviously extremely strong with the force. Uh, but this whole episode was just a lot of fun. It, you know, once he gets back with the egg uh, for the Jawas, they say Suga or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, it's just, just such a great, just a star Wars, you know, smaller scale type story, but it was, it was just so well done. It was, it was a perfect episode. It, it showed that, you know, how everyone was, Hunting the child still, even though he already had got him. It showed uh, a continuation with Quill. And it was good to see the Mandalorian kind of got his butt kicked, you know? So we kind of knew that, hey, this isn't just going to be like this badass bounty hunter just kicking ass throughout yeah, the he galaxy. Gets, he, he gets beat up. He gets his butt beat a couple times. He gets knocked around pretty good in this series, isn't he? He's not uh, some superhero, yeah. Yeah, and the the Jawas like throw trash down at him and knock him off the sand crawler and everything. Just so good. <laughs> Chapter three, we get it's called the episode's called the Sin. So the Mando delivers Grief Karga's, you know, gets a message from Grief Karga, takes the child to Warner Herzog's character. And then we're, we're starting to see all these 
the remnants still pretty prevalent. We're get, we get introduced to Beskar and the importance of Beskar, the Mandalorian culture. This this steel means the world to Mando. Obviously, we know that it, it builds their armor, but we don't really talk about it. And then they, the way they portray it is that, oh, man, this is so important to the Mando culture. So I like that. It gives us a little back more background into that. He pays them. Dr. Pershing comes in and, and takes the child away. It's kind of a little sad moment. You're like, uh, like I remember watching this episode with my wife. She's like, she's not really going to give him away, is he? <laughs> and uh, I just loved it. And so there, when you see um, uh, Pershing, you see it later. But what I was talking about earlier, you see that little Camino patch. Uh, on his on his clothes, so immediately you think, "Oh my God!" So they're taking him to clone him, or you know, all these thoughts are going through my head. He gets to his ship and sees that little ball that Baby Yoda or Baby Yoda, the child, is playing with, and he and he gets it in his heart to go back. It's an amazing sequence of him fighting with those imps and uh, takes back the child. And as he does this. All the bounty hunters now his 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 little fob is uh, is starts going off, goes into the city, and th- hundreds of of bounty hunters are there trying to get the child. And again, Mando is using his baery and destroys twenty thirty of the Manda of the uh, bounty hunters till they get him pinned. And just when it seems like he's about to get it, all the other Mandalorians come out of nowhere and uh, help him escape. So. Um, we get to see the jetpacks and the, all the Mandos using them. We think uh, Grief Cargas gets killed, but the best car that he got blocks his shot. So, you know, he comes back or later in other episodes. Yeah. And this one, the best car is such a big thing that we are introduced to. And it's like, well, this is this is the biggest thing in the world you know we we learn that throughout the rest but we also we meet the armor and uh we see their little covert hideout and then yeah at the very end when when the mandalorians show up and they're with their jetpacks and everything just like goosebumps every time just such a such a great moment this is where we're kind of starting to learn a little bit more about the mandalorians and like where they sit in the galaxy because that's you know that's something that isn't talked about a ton but it's it is a huge part of this story yeah so then and we you gotta think that there's more coverts around. Like this isn't just the the remnants that really that's all that's left. That little remnant. They're now they're basically, you know, living like rats under the street. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, especially in season two, what what they what what else we get from from the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian's mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. So we get chapter four. Uh, chapter four is called Sanctuary. It's directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. A lot different than than the first three episodes. We go to a new new planet, basically. For four, five, and six, Mandalorian's on the run, and he knows everyone. Everyone is after Baby. So this is where we go to a planet called Sorgan, and this is where we meet Cara Dune. Which, just to put it out there, obviously Gina Carano's been somewhat making headlines over the last couple months, and just had some transphobic tweets. Some uh, she she changed she puts her pronouns in her bio as bleep blop bloop kind of making fun of putting pronouns in your bio and just she's done a lot over the last couple months that just super disappointed wanted to put it out there i don't want to just like gloss over and and you know say that we haven't thought about this or talked about this because i think it is a big deal and definitely dampened my excitement for the character of cara dune because i just a lot of the things that she was tweeting a lot of things that she was liking and retweeting and things like that just did not sit well with me and a lot of people as well. So just wanted to get that out there and, you know, make sure we aren't just glossing over that. 
Yeah, this it was a little what, disheartening. Um, you know, it, she went into like a lot of, uh, you know, I don't want to go too far into it too. And I like the character and I think it was a misunderstanding at first then it turned to a little bullying and then it could have gone one way and then, you know, it just came like a block machine and yeah, it was kind of disappointing, but uh, hopefully it, 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 uh, you know, we all learn lessons and hopefully it can be a teaching point. And yes, for sure. So, th- so this chapter we meet Cara Dune and basically Mando and Cara Dune are recruited to help save a village. And in this village, we meet Omera. Um, but basically, they have they train the villagers to protect themselves. And it really harkened back to one of the Clone Wars episodes where the Jedi go in and they basically say, like, we can't come here and fight this war for you, but we can train you how to defend yourselves. It's kind of like that. Yeah, and then they train the villagers to defend their homes. They they beat the Klaatuian raiders and then mando and the child leave because he knows that you know there was a bounty hunter that showed up at the end of the episode that had already found him so we know the bounty hunters are still looking for the child and mando knows he's got to head to the next planet and stay one step ahead So then we get to chapter five called The Gunslinger. And this is where we go back to Tatooine. And this was another episode directed by Dave Filoni. So this episode, I probably have the most issues with. I mean, like I said, I like all the episodes and I don't know what what it is. Just the the gunslinger himself, if that's who they're referring to, Toro Calican. It uh, didn't really buy into him being some bounty hunter. I know he was new, but there was just something about the character itself that I just didn't like. And then we, you know, his, his ship is damaged and he goes into the Maslazi airport and we meet, uh, you know, um, what's her name? Del- Della? I can't Kelly remember. Um, yeah. Another, to me, kind of a overacting kind of uh, thing. Good, good. I like her in general and everything else that she's done. But in this, it just kind of seemed like a little overzealous, like just kind of went over the top for me anyways. Um, but in the episode, we do uh, meet Finnick Shad, uh, which I do love her character. And hopefully we see more of her as well. Hopefully she doesn't really meet her demise at the end of the episode. So basically the gist of it is he meets up with this bounty hunter who's trying to make an impression. And they're trying to catch Finnick Shad. And basically he wants to he wants to use the Mando to help him find her so he can move his way up the ranks. Um, they catch her. And uh, then she convinces Toro that you could basically take out the Mando. So he goes back, uh, he, he betrays him, and uh, obviously he gets dealt with by the Mando. You don't, you don't betray the Mando. So at the end of this episode, Toro kills Finnick. Um, we see a shot of Finnick laying on the ground, and we see a character approaching approaching her dead body uh, or her body, I should say. And you hear the, the spurs, which is, you know, so led to a lot of speculation that that was Boba Fett. It wasn't Moff Gideon. It was another thing that they thought it was. It's not Moff Gideon. I think Toro's character was supposed to make you just despise him. And because well, that's how I kind of, <laughs> and then I, I really liked Pelimoto. I thought she was hilarious. We talked about this right after that episode came out. And, um, but I, I just, I don't know. I thought she was really funny. She was a very good babysitter too, for the child. But yeah, the, the big cliffhanger was who is that at the end and is Fennec Shan really gone? Because, I think, and that's that's one of the questions I really want answered this season. I think it will be, uh, but I think it was just too easy. Like they they talked up that character so much, even within the episode, where it's like, okay, she's 
she, you know, she's one of the best out there and it, it just, it, it couldn't be that easy, you know? So yeah. yeah, hopefully we get, hopefully we get those answers this season. What another cool part of this episode was they run into Tuscan Raiders and that's where Mando like does sign language with them and communicates with them. And they're like just wonderful beings, which is awesome. Cause you know, it's kind of like a, Star Wars favorite thing, a, a different point of view. We've just, they've just been labeled as these, you know, monsters who kidnap Shmi or try to kill Luke or, you know, they're just, you know, in the pod race and Phantom Menace are just picking off pod racers <laughs> from, you know, and that's all you get. And man, these guys are just, just terrible people and creatures. And you get Mando talking to them like, you know, it's just, you know, hey, I borrow a cup of sugar. And they're like, yeah, 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 come on by anytime. It, uh, they're just, it's cool to see see them portrayed differently than we've been accustomed to. Yeah, that was good. And that's something to be explored on its own. And, you know, how that's, I can't even really get into it because I can't speak on it eloquently. But yeah, the use of sign language and just communicating. That is, that's a good point. That was a really interesting part of the, of the episode for that one. What are you doing? Negotiating. going on we need passage across our land let me see the binox why what hey what those were brand new yeah they were so after this episode mando's still on the run he's got a jump planet again so this is where he goes he meets up with an old crew of his ran by ran guy named ran and he basically hooks up with these shady space pirates we got mayfell berg zeon and zero and um this is this was one of my favorite episodes because it was so so dark and it had a horror feel and uh, (laughs) just suspenseful and and the music and it just, the lights go out and you don't know what's coming next. And it was, it was another episode that was, you know, it was off the main plot a little bit, but it was, it was just so good. I really, I just, it's, it's a fun one to go back and rewatch. But this one is at the end of this episode, they break out Zion's brother and then they all turn on Mando and Mando somehow gets out of it, locks them all up in this new Republic prison. And then uh, he takes Zion back to Ran and that, because that was the job. So he's like, he gets paid and he goes on his way, but he also leaves a tracker from the new Republic prison on that little spaceport and the new Republic, which is Dave Filoni, Deborah Chow and Rick Famuia uh, as new Republic pilots show up, blow up the space post. So he gets rid of all these shady people for the moment. I think the ones that were in prison, the, the original four there, um, I think that they might have a role to play in this season because they're going to be out for revenge and, you know, if they can get out of that prison, but yeah, definitely a little bit out there. It was a little bit different, but I thought it was, I thought it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. The only thing that I, I, the only episode I, or the only thing that I have a problem with it is the, the, how the Twi'leks were portrayed. And I, and we've never seen these hissing, harling beasts that they, that these two, I, I didn't like the way that they were portrayed. Obviously, we have the one that we love in, um, Harrison Dula. So, but, you know, that's just nitpicking here. Um, and we obviously get to see X Wings come back, side note. Uh, which is by a sneaky ploy by Mando there, which 
I, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, no, it was good. It was a good, good end to that episode. And, and he gets away and then we, we get to chapter seven and eight, which is really just one big episode. I think yeah, chapter it seven. does feel like a movie. And so at the beginning of chapter seven, we get the coolest hologram ever. And we were so lucky to have Carl Weathers in star Wars. Like he's just the coolest grief card is a cool character in general, but yeah, Carl Weathers is just the best. And so he sends a message to Mando basically coming up with this plan. And he starts off with, you might've thought I was dead um, because you know, the last time Mando saw him was in uh, chapter three at the end where he shoots him, but it hits him in the best car, which I still think that he did that on purpose. Cause I don't think he really wanted to kill grief. And I think he's that good of a shot. So basically he says, bring the child back. We'll use him as bait. We'll get rid of the client. That way the empire, the remnants of the empire leave his planet. And then the Mando will get a bounty and plus he'll clear his name with the bounty guild. So that's pretty much Mando realizes that's his only way out because he's been three episodes in a row where people just keep showing up trying to get the child. So Mando goes around, rounds up his crew, right? He's got Quill. Oh, I guess he gets Cara Dune first, but then he goes to get Quill and then they're sitting there talking and IG-11, who from the very first episode Mando killed, shows up mando gets frightened because he thinks ig is there to kill him uh but then we get this whole montage which is just really funny to me that it it stops the entire episode to give us this montage of quill basically putting back ig11 and making him a nurse droid so we get to see ig11 learning how to walk again uh how to like do all these different things which is just really funny to me that just like stops everything we get this like two minute montage of ig11 mm-hmm. doing all these random things yeah. so they go and they go to back to navarro grief's plan which we find out is to kill the mandalorian take the child turn the child in but then they're you know grief shows up with a couple other bounty hunters and then they're all kind of camped out both groups and these giant i don't know if we ever i'm sure there's a name for them but they're just that giant like pterodactyl type dinosaur bird things come out of nowhere and attack their camp one of them bites grief and the child this is the first time we see the child use the force to heal this gives grief a change of heart after he sees that and so then grief ends up killing his two bounty hunters that he has with him and then actually for real teaming up with the mandalorian on this one yeah, and then, you know, uh, the child uses his force healing ability, which is something we have yet to see. You know, I think purposely that was set up because right before that, this episode, I think, believe, aired on a Wednesday and then Rise of Skywalker came out on that Friday. Then we see Ray force healing that snake. So I think it was kind of a setup for that because, to be honest, you know, you could have the people that say Obi-Wan did it to Luke when he got attacked by the Tusken Raiders we really haven't seen too much of the force heal. And so I think it was one of those things where they introduced it first. So you didn't have these pundits screaming, Hey, I can't, no Jedi's ever used it. And he's never been trained. How could he use a thing so powerful? You know, all that BS that people throw out. How could Ray be so adept into fighting already? You know, give it up. Um, so I think that was foreshadowing a little bit. Yeah, it is funny how that works. You know, no one really screamed anything about 
the child using the force, you know, in chapter two and really throughout the entire season, the child uses the force like five or six times, uh, yeah. but no one ever questioned it, you know? <laughs> so grief Mando and everybody, they come up with this plan. They're going to take the child back, but they are going to fake take the child back. So they do that, but then they show up and Gideon shows up in this episode at the very end and he calls into the client and basically says, hey, you might want to check that delivery that you think you got with the child because the child's not there. And so we it cuts back to Quill, who was supposed to be taking the child back to the ship. And stormtroopers basically chase him down and kill Quill and take the child. So that's how, that's how chapter seven leaves off. Quill is now dead. The Mandalorian, Grief, they are all trapped inside this place where the client was and everything is looking pretty bleak and then we move on to chapter eight uh chapter seven was also directed by deborah chow which just speaks to yeah how excited we are for the obi-wan series because she just killed it both times then we get to chapter eight called redemption and this one was directed by taika watiti and this is where we get a lot of more questions brought up but also some questions answered as well yeah so in that in this episode it starts with the two biker scouts have baby Yoda. It, what's funny about this or this little scene is Jason Sudeikis is voicing one of the biker scouts and he punches baby Yoda, which, you know, got a lot of outcry of, he said he got lots and lots of actual emails about people complaining that he did that. Like that was a real thing. But what's cool about that as well is while they're sitting there waiting, they decide to start shooting at some can and it's just kind of like a, <laughs> you know, all stormtroopers and they they can't shoot at all and so they're they're missing this can and as they're shooting at that not paying attention ig11 comes out of nowhere kills them both takes the child puts him in his little backpack and then you know speeds towards the city which this is some of my some of my favorite scenes involve ig11 him driving on that uh, on that speeder bike going through town just blasting and and then moving his body around contorting his body around to put uh, the child in not harm's way because our 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 heroes are basically gone there there's no way for them to get out Moff Gideon had called out to them it basically he knew who they all were once he says all that then then knows who that is immediately that's Moff Gideon he was there at the purge um, that's how he knows who we are. So that's a cool little thing that I hope we get more on. Obviously, he was there. He mentioned the the night of a thousand tears, which we don't know what that is. But IG Eleven comes into town, does enough damage that allows them all to escape and to make a dent on all the stormtroopers and and uh, Moff really damages the Mando. Uh, we think the Mando's going to die. IG Eleven comes in. They're all about to die again, and this with this flamethrower stormtrooper comes in, and then you see Yoda, baby, the child, I guess I should say, uh, using the force to throw the flame out, uh, which is another amazing scene. And then, then Kara and Grief kind of finally see the power of the child as well. Um, IG opens up that grate, allows his others to escape, and uh, this is a cool moment that we have between the Mando and IG. Uh, he's had this history for hating droids. It's come through his last vision that um, you see the uh, Separatist army obviously attacking whatever planet he's from. And his parents are obviously killed by droids. And he basically explains to him, I'm no human 
I'm not a, you know, you can, you can take your mask off. He makes him take his mask off. You finally get to see the reveal. He sprays a little back to serum on him, spray on him and uh, allows him to heal. And then they kind of, they go on their way where they meet the armorer again. And we see this big discarded bodies of, of Mando armor. So we don't know what happened here. I know uh, she does some badass moves and gets away from the imps herself. So we know that she's a warrior. Uh, we got to hear more of her story and, and what she brings to the table. Then they're on this molted lava little part of Navarro and they're going through it and they realize that they're walking into a trap and IG basically sacrifices himself to, to save the group. And then Moff comes on his tie fighter, misses a couple times and Mando finally gets to use his jetpack that he gets uh, from the armorer. Goes up there, does some awesome moves, throw a bomb on the wing. Then we think Moff's dead. And at the very end, you know, you it cuts back to him. And you see the, the side of the ship cut open. The Darksaber has emerged. For everyone who hasn't watched the TV show with the Clone Wars and Rebels, the Darksaber is, was introduced into those. It's been in Tar Vissel's hand, Darth Maul's hand, Sabine Wren's hand, Bo-Katan's hands. So really interested to see where that goes, where that come from. So yeah, really, really good episode of amazing ending. Uh, A lot of cliffhangers really close the series. Well, so yeah, so that's, that's the season one recap. And basically it's about the Mandalorian and the child, our main characters that are left for season two, Mandalorian, grief, Karga, Cara Dune, uh, Moff Gideon, and the armor. I mean, that's really, and the child, yeah, obviously. Child. Um, but that's kind of our, our main cast that we know about going into season two. Quill is gone. IG-11 is gone. And the client is all gone. So so we lost those three characters unless they somehow, you know, IG-11 looked pretty blown up. So I don't think, you know, and Quill's not there to save him this time. So I think he's definitely gone. Um, but that's kind of where we are character wise. And then really mm-hmm. the big, the biggest thing from season one is where we left off, right? Where we left off with the armor giving Mando instructions on what to do next, really setting up season two. But basically, yeah, we get a little bit more of a look at the Mandalorians where they're at. We get a a look at the Mandalorian's backstory with, you know, his name being revealed, Din Djarin, and kind of how he was saved by the Mandalorians. Uh, But really the the biggest thing out of all this is the armor telling the Mandalorian that what you have with the child is a foundling, just like he was a foundling. The Mandalorians took him in, trained him and obviously his people were gone you know because of the night of a thousand tears his parents were gone so he they didn't have anyone to return him to but with a foundling it's said that you either return the child to its own kind or you train it and the the armor is basically like the child is too weak to train so you need to return it to its own kind and so that kind of sets up where we're going with season two until it is of age or reunited with its own kind, you are as its father. So any unanswered questions that you have from season one? There are a lot, and I don't have answers for pretty much any of these. But some of the ones for me are, like, who had possession of the child before the Mandalorian? I don't know if we'll get this answer because that's a big thing that has stuck with me. Uh, Kara actually brought it up on our Baby Yoda episode, but where, like, who had the child? before the Mandalorian that hasn't been explored at all we know that there was a bounty out on the child for them to get the child you know who was that you know group of 
of species uh, that had the child beforehand. And that's what I love about Star Wars. We're just thrown into it in the middle of it, you know, at the beginning of every story. We're just thrown into the middle of the story, right? So I don't know if we'll get that answer, but that's that's one of the things that just like still like who had him before and why and how did they get him, right? I think obviously chapter five, the ending of chapter five, who that was, um, who is Fanic Shan still alive, but also like Gideon. What's Gideon's deal? How how high up is he really? What's going on with him? Is he force sensitive? Why does he want the child so bad? You know, like why was Dr. Pershing there with the Kaminoan patch? Yeah, there's there's a lot, you know. I, I think yeah, how did he get the Darksaber? I mean, it really Moff Gideon is really like my most intriguing character coming into this season. Yeah, I, I agree. I for some reason I feel like he, you know, we only have a set amount of inquisitors that we know about. I think we know that there is 11 of them. I, I, so I kind of think there's a possibility that he's an inquisitor. I could be wrong. That's just one thought. So uh, yeah, I'd like to get how he got that. I hope we get more into the Mandalorian issues. It hasn't really been, they're not giving us too much about Mandalore. This is the Mandalorian TV show. So eight little episode, 39, 35 minute episodes. I don't know how they're going to get into the night of a thousand tears, the purge, something that we don't know anything about, you know, exploring the backstory of the armor. Who is she? All my thing, all my thoughts of who she could be, you know, the horns in her helmet. Some people may say that that's, those are back to when Maul was in charge. A lot of the, the Mandalorians that backed Maul had the horns on their helmet. I don't think she's Bo-Katan. I could be wrong, but yeah, who the armor is, the Mandalorian background. I, I don't, I don't want to get like too much on a side tangent looking for Jedi and sorcerers without exploring that, that past. Um, obviously you have interest in the child species. We don't know much about it. I kind of agree with what George Lucas had said. I don't, I, I don't want them to find a planet of them. I really would be upset if that happened. I would take some of the lore away from, Yoda and Yaddle and and the child itself. I don't I don't want them to find a planet full of Yodas. Like uh, I just think that would cheapen it. Yeah, who that character is at the end of of five. Um, I believe it's Cobb Vanth. That's just that's who I think it is from the book Aftermath. You know, he finds Boba Fett's armor and basically becomes the sheriff of a place called Freetown. So I, I, that's who I think, and I think that's probably who Timmy Timothy Oliphant's character is. And again, I could be wrong those are the main the main things you know is are we going to find anything more about the new republic um are they prospering now like how big is this this imp it seems like a lot of them on navarro but like is it like throughout the galaxy i mean there are like little factions here 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 and here have the new republic finally taken over have they never really had control i don't know those are the questions that i have and where and basically where jen is from i want to know what kind of planet what where what planet he's from Definitely. There's, there's so many, I mean, there's so many directions. Like you said, eight chapters, that's all we get, you know, like that's, that's all, all we're getting and they're only 40 to 50 minutes. And yeah, I, it, it just already feels like this season is going to fly by because the first one did and, and the episodes are so, there's such an easy watch and they go so fast and, and really a lot of these episodes didn't give us a lot of information. So are you ready to talk about the season two trailer a little bit? Let's, let's do it. Show me the one safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. 
Okay, so season two trailer, uh, again, didn't give us a lot. <laughs> it, uh, it was a lot like uh, the, the first trailer last year for season one, but there was a lot of a lot of really good stuff. What were your key takeaways from the trailer? Yeah, I wanted more uh, just because, you know, I think they could have just shown the Mandalorian and like for the first trailer we got from season one, and I'd be like, oh, this is going to be great, you know, um, and that's it. So I think my, expe- my expectations were so high when I saw this trailer, I felt like it was just kind of a little bit lackluster. But then as I broke it down more and kind of were looking for little things, I became more infatuated with it. Hence why I've watched it so many times over and over again and streamed it to my TV and paused it and tried to dif- see different things. It has its Easter eggs and that, uh, that I'm excited to to talk about. Yeah, it was good. It, it was, I mean, right from the beginning, it starts out with throat singing, right? So it's like, okay, things are things are definitely going to get weird. We get a Bantha, you know, basically saying where, you know, how it's how the trailers lined up. I don't know if they meant to do that or not, but there's a voiceover and Mandalorian says where, like right as the Bantha says it. But yeah, we the the biggest again biggest thing from this trailer is basically picking up right where season one left off and it's that voiceover from the armorer and it's basically the same speech that she gave the mandalorian from season one where she's saying you you are as its father and you know you need to return return him to his own kind and so we know that that's what season two is going to be about is the mandalorian on a journey to find where the child is from where his species is from or or who is like him i guess is is another you know way of interpreting it but yeah we we get a lot we get uh we get a couple new planets it looks like we get um i think the biggest probably thing outside of the armor's voiceover was sasha banks's character is in there and you know she's on the planet and mandalorian looks over and then she's gone and it's like whoa who's who's sasha banks we, we still don't know who that is we'll talk about speculation here in a minute but yeah those were those were the biggest things for me, it was just, it's setting up season two on what, what we're going to do. Uh, Sasha Banks, who's, whose character is that? And then the very end of this trailer where we get the Gamorreans in a, basically a fighting ring and the Mandalorian goes in and some Cyclops looking dude is talking to him. And then he gets surrounded by bounty hunters, presumably bounty hunters, or maybe just some bad space pirates. I don't know. But then he gets out his, his, you know, wrist for the uh, whistling birds and baby Yoda closes his hatch and is like, yep, I've seen this before. So I'm going to go ahead and protect myself. Which I love what they did there because it was almost like as soon as he does that, it cuts to black and you hear everything. So it's almost like imagining yourself in the child's position, covering yourself in darkness, listening to the whistling birds go around. I can't, and I don't know if they did that on purpose, but I, I felt like they kind of did. That's so why I really like that the hatch has been closed on us and yeah. the, tr- the thing goes dark. So we just hear it just like baby Yoda. Yeah, for sure. I doubt this has any connection whatsoever, but the first thing I, after replaying the the trailer over and over and over, and the very beginning you hear like, you know, kind of a, uh, it's almost like a didgeridoo kind of, uh, it's a different type of like music. And the, it's, uh, it reminds me and I, a lot of people haven't. Again, people get mad when you try to connect all these things. But um, in Jedi Fallen Order, Cal Kestis is is working on something and he's listening to some music on his earbuds. And that music sounded exactly like that music that was playing at the beginning. It's a Mongolian band, I think, if I remember correctly, that did that. 
so it'd be cool if they brought them back. So that's one thing that I was like, where have I heard that before? Where have I heard that before? And yeah, if, if you have played Jedi Fallen Order, which is an amazing, amazing, amazing game, um, it has a lot of tie-ins that, you know, Inquisitors and, you know, right after the fall of the, of, after the Clone Wars. So that's one, one thing I took away from it. And I could be just making it up in my head. I do that a lot. That, I mean, that does make sense because, right, we have the icy planet that everybody is speculating is Ilum, right? Yeah. And that's, Ilum has, a, you know, quite a history within Star Wars between the Clone Wars, Jedi Fallen Order and everything. So maybe there is a connection there. But when you said didgeridoos, it just made me think of Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story where he's he's making the song. I need more didgeridoos, 50,000 didgeridoos. So, so I hope the Mandalorian has 50,000 didgeridoos in, in this one. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, obviously we get, um, you know, we get the razor crest damaged as well. Uh, in that first scene it's damaged. Why is it damaged? Um, I don't think they're going to Yavin four, but if you look at it, it's like almost the exact same scene of them going over a, a gas planet and then the moon. Sh- yeah. You know, going over Yavin and then Yavin four appears. I'm not saying that's Yavin four and Yavin cause they don't look dissimilar. But I that, I feel like that scene's exactly the same almost when the Millennium Falcon's doing that. And that's just my take on it. Yeah, we see Banthas, the Tusken Raiders. You know, are they back on Tatooine again? You know, obviously, if they're going to interact with Fennec Shad and that character again, they have to go back to Tantu- Tatooine. Is that the desert planet we're seeing? That, uh, that town where he has that guy hanging from his feet. Uh, there's all that graffiti on the wall. Is that Lothal? Like I thought maybe that could be Lothal because it, you know, Lothal was an, an, you know, it's, it's important to the Jedi. So that maybe they would go back to it. You know, we get to the Jedi temple there, uh, that ice planet. Is it, or is it, is it Ilum? You know, there's that crater there. It looks like the Starkiller base. Who knows? But that outpost of aliens, um, that's on that ship. And that's when you see that that's when the, I think they're misdirecting us with when the armor starts talking again, saying an ancient ancient order of sorcerers. And then you see Sasha Banks character, which, like you said, we'll talk about it here. I mean, I, I think that's misdirection. I could be wrong. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of little things that, you know, I like I don't, those Gamorans look kind of skinnier than I remember the ones at Jabba's Slayer. They're fit. They're wrestlers. They're fighters. They got to be in shape. I guess. I, I guess. But yeah, we never. I've never. I don't. I don't remember seeing too many Gamorans in any other content either. So, you know, maybe they explain. And that was what um, when they finished filming, I believe that was what uh, Favreau tweeted out with the of the Gamoran statue. Mm-hmm. So maybe they may serve a more prevalent role. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember him tweeting that picture. And it's going to be funny when it's just like the opening scene of season two and it's that fighting match or whatever. Yeah. And then that's all we get of it. Because, yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that with the misdirection because, yeah, the voiceover from the armor does say Jedi, right, when we see Sasha Banks' character. And we actually, me and Kara just did an entire episode on the last Jedi trailer the other day. And we talked a lot about that, how when that trailer came out, everybody thought so much was misdirection in it and it turned out like basically nothing in that trailer was misdirection i think obviously this is a little bit different case but it is one that makes you think like okay that that's probably misdirection but then maybe that's what they want us to think uh but yeah at this time we don't really know where the jedi stand right this is five years uh well actually and that's what we we don't even know how long this is after season 1 so you know it's probably 6 maybe 7 8 years after return of the jedi we don't know 
where the Jedi are. We know Luke Skywalker is obviously there. We presume that Ahsoka is out there somewhere. Um, but yeah, we really, we don't, we don't know who's looking for the child exactly. You know, like who, we still don't know who Moff Gideon is or anything, but yeah, it's uh, it trailer gave us a lot of different planets, a lot of different like creatures and characters and stuff, but it really didn't, really didn't tell us anything other than what we already knew from the season one recap of you got to find the the child's own kind. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. So let's get into like everything we for sure 100% we are certain on what we know for season two. So we know for sure it starts on Friday, October, October 30th and it is eight more chapters. So we have eight more chapters and it's every Friday going forward from October 30th until December 18th. Uh, we also know the list of directors for this and we have a couple of returners, a couple of new people, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, Bryce Dallas How- Howard is back, Rick Famuyiwa, Carl Weathers, who grief Carga, he's directing an episode. And then we have mm-hmm. Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez. Um, and I'm not super familiar with, Peyton Reed or Robert Rodriguez, obviously Peyton Reed did Ant-Man, the Ant-Man movies. But yeah, we, we know for sure those are our directors. We know our writers is are chapters one through four, Favreau. Chapter five is Filoni. Chapter six is Favreau. Chapter seven is Famuia. And chapter eight is Favreau. So we only have three writers for this season, for this season which is a little bit different than season one. But that's kind of the lineup. Yeah. And the rumors are that obviously when Filoni's episode is, that's when we would be introduced to Ahsoka, possibly. You know, he's always said that that's his baby and he would always take charge with it. So if that's going to be the case, I would think that that would be the episode that she possibly would make an appearance. I I don't know that for for sure, but it's just just speculation. I'm really interested to see, you know, Robert Rodriguez's take. You know, he did some of my... (laughs) I mean, they're goofy, but some of my favorite films, you know, I love Desperado and uh, Dust Till Dawn, you know, so I'd like to kind of see once time, once upon a time in Mexico, you know, Machete, the Machete series, like, well, how would he take this, which is supposed to be some kind of Western feel. And that's not really anything that he's ever done. I mean, maybe I've missed something that he's done. That's, you know, so I'm kind of interested to see like how he takes uh, his kind of violent approach on some of his movies to this, but yeah, excited about everyone else as well it could go it could go that way and you know the super violent like kind of gory ish stuff that he's done but it could also go didn't he do shark boy and lava girl right which are like yeah. classics in my yeah. house right now because yeah. i think yeah, they're, yeah, either yeah. On, they're either on netflix or hulu or something but uh, my daughter has been watching those recently and so those are like super uh different than yeah dust till dawn which that is uh, just such a classic but yeah it's gonna gonna be interesting to see a couple new directors takes on you know where they could where they could take this yeah and then we also we we for sure know right the mandalorian and the child it's going to be centered on them grief is back moff gideon is back cara dune is back we know that 100 percent. we know sasha banks is here as a new character uh we know that this season is going to be the mandalorian searching for baby yoda's kind or uh, species or whatever and we know moff gideon is is going to be after them so that's kind of that's what we 
hundred percent. Like we know that's what's going on this season, which isn't very much, right? I think it gives yeah. us the overall feel, but at the same time, yeah. we really don't know. Cause I'm sure that, you know, this season, all eight chapters aren't going to be only focused on the Mandalorian searching, you know, it might be the backdrop for all of the chapters, you know, that he's traveling to different planets looking or looking for clues or whatever. But I don't think, I mean, there's going to be side stories like there was in season one. So are you ready to speculate a little bit? Speculate away. You know, this is no place for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. So I've heard. Okay, so here's here's the part where we we don't know 100% any of this. We think we think we know a lot of it, but there's there's like I talked about before, there's so many <laughs> rumored guest appearances. Some of them have been like somewhat confirmed by some pretty good sources, but some of them have just been kind of thrown out there. Um, the biggest one, like Nick said, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka is rumored to be in this season in some capacity. What are the odds that Ahsoka shows up this season in your mind? I think it's almost guaranteed. I, I, I Initially, I was like, nah, 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 nah. They, they wouldn't do that because I feel like it would almost, again, like we're, we're getting away from the Mandalorian. I don't want to get too in the woods with Jedi and... Like, I don't mind it. I'm going to love it no matter what. And especially because I know what I saw in season one, that it's going to be great, whatever they do, because of Favreau and Filoni and and Howard. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lose faith in it, but I just don't want them to go down this wormhole unless they're doing it for spinoff series later down the line. Like, you know, we get if we see Ahsoka, whatever she is, you know, if we see her in episode four or five, if we do. She's not going to be in six, seven, eight. I, I don't think that they would do that. I think it would be a maybe they meet and at the very end she lays down what they need to do. Or I and I don't think that the Mando and the child are going to separate this season as well. I, I I wouldn't think that they'd wait till season or episode eight and he hands her over to Ahsoka and they they go on their own way. Like I don't think that would happen either. And so I want to see her. I really think we're going to see her. See her. But I don't think she'll be a huge part of the show because if I do, I think they're doing doing it wrong. That's just my opinion because she's such an adored character by everyone that I think if you put her in it, it takes away from everyone else. Maybe not the child because everyone's so enamored with the child. But I feel like it takes away the Mando's care. Like it takes away his storyline. And that's why I'm also the, the rumor about Boba Fett. Like, I feel like that takes away from the Mando as well. Like, I would love to see Boba Fett. I want to see Boba Fett. But I also don't want to see it unless they do it right. Like, it, it seems like almost counter counterproductive to have the Mando and Boba Fett in the same season. So, to answer your question, I think Ahsoka's in this thing. And whether it's to set up an, another cartoon series... Uh, where her and Sabine are on the search for Ezra. I don't know. I think she's going to show up too, just based on what, you know, Rosario Dawson has kind of said and just everything that's been out there, who's kind of confirmed it and all that stuff. But yeah, I think, 
I do think it's going to be max of one episode because yeah, if she's in more than one episode, she's going to, she's going to take over the storyline. I think, I don't think there's any way she wouldn't, uh, but I think they could do it really well. Like I'm not worried about that because I think even with rebels, she wasn't in a ton of rebels, it, but it was when she was in those episodes, you know, especially twilight of the apprentice and, and episodes like that, like it was kind of turned into her episode, but I think, I think it'll be four or one, five. Maybe. maybe I think she was in rebels for four or five max. Yeah, she wasn't in a ton and she, you know, so they were still able to keep the story on Ezra, Kanan, Hera, Zeb, you know, the um, yeah. the main heroes. But yeah, I think I do think it would be chapter five, which is Dave Filoni's episode. And I think it would just be a an appearance. I, I don't know, but because it's hard to say, because if she does interact with the Mandalorian at that point, does the Mandalorian not have the child anymore? Because you would think the child would be safest with Ahsoka and, or maybe the Mandalorian doesn't trust Ahsoka, you know? So it's like, or maybe when Ahsoka meets up with the Mandalorian, if that happens, maybe he doesn't have the child. Maybe he's already lost the child and Moff Gideon has him, And, you know, or maybe it's something like that, but I don't know it to me. it, It can't be a, Ahsoka is just there in an episode to meet up with the Mandalorian and the child. And then they split up and go their separate ways. Like what would that conversation even be? You know, it's like, no, they, yeah. they would need to come up with something else for Ahsoka. But yeah, I think, I think she's going to be in it. And I think, I don't know, there's been, there's just been too much talk about it for it not to happen at this point. I wish yeah. that all these characters, you know, that, that are coming out, I wish that they would have been kept under wraps more because I like going in more clean. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like it was always... pandemic related. I don't know why. It was just like people like searching for things to say. Like you know, we knew Timothy Oliphant was in there, but then yeah, Rosario Dawson rumored to appear in the uh, in the Mandalorian. Timur Morrison's uh, rumored to uh, appear in the Mandalorian. So yeah, there was rumors left and right that we were getting bombarded with, and then it was like taking them from a grain of salt. Also on the Ahsoka stuff, they released. The uh, Black Series toys from Rebels like a couple months ago or last month. I can't remember what it was. And they had like kind of a live action representation of Ahsoka. So I think they're maybe setting up for that. And then also she her, they're having a Black Series lightsaber released in 2021. And on that box, if you look, that character, that's a human or, you know, a, a human version of a Torcuda, Torcuda. And like you know, her little spots aren't there. I think they're setting you up for what a live action Ahsoka would look like. Again, with that not being released until twenty twenty one, that's kind of my that's my theory on it. Possibly, I think I've heard some other people say that too. There's there's too much smoke for there not to be uh, fire with this one. Yeah, I'm actually I'm waiting for that black series. I pre ordered it uh, quite a while ago. I'm still waiting for it to come in. So it's supposed to be in in October. So crossing my fingers that that comes in soon. But yeah, I think, and, and a lot of the rumors were coming from reputable sources. There's a lot of rumors out there about all sorts of different characters coming from different just blogs and like podcasts and like people like literally me coming out and be like, yep, I heard this from so it's like, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe that at all. So yeah, I think, I think Ahsoka is probably going to be a, a go. And then you also brought up Boba Fett, right? Tamara Morrison. That's another rumored character. I, I I think that could be a possibility. But once you get past Ahsoka and you start talking about all these other like side characters, it does come into how much will that take away from our main character of the Mandalorian? Because it, it really, 
it reminds me of how the rise of skywalker we got all these new characters right and like they were supplemental characters but they kind of took away a little bit from some of our main characters and they didn't really flush them out either so like if they bring ahsoka in i don't want it just to be a random cameo i want it to mean something same with a boba fett or uh any of the other number of clones that tomorrow morrison which i think it would be cool to see like 10 tomorrow morrison's you know on the screen at one time like a a village of ex-clones or ex-clone troopers but yeah that's the the tomorrow tomorrow morrison has been another big rumor i think on with the rumor with him was on his like imdb page or some kind of uh, page it said like acting credits and in 2020 it said boba fett I think it would be cool to have like a little interaction if Timmy at the Oliphant really is Cobb Vanth, where like they all three kind of mix together and, you know, Boba Fett wants his armor back because Oliphant has it or Cobb Vanth has it, you know, and maybe Mando hires a Boba Fett. Like you said, maybe the child is gone and he hires the Boba Fett to help him come fetch him back. I don't know. But again, I, I feel like, and he could be playing Rex. If Ahsoka and Sabine are supposed to make an, an appearance, then it would make sense for Rex, Rex to make his fears. So he could be that character as well, which I would be fine with. You know, but again, like then then we start getting into the diluted waters of, like you said, taken away from all of our not. But like we've said, there's not really too many. They didn't give us too much grief cargo. They didn't give us too much Cara Dune. So really only the Mando and, and they didn't give us too much of the armor. Mando and the child are the only guys that we really have to interrupt. Story-wise, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who he is. And I, if they do it right, like I said, I trust him. If it's Boba Fett, it's Boba Fett. And maybe he gets a Disney Plus spinoff, like the 7,000 other ones that they're going to have. Like, But then again, I would think that that would be counterproductive as well to have a Mando series and a Boba Fett series, basically two bounty hunters. Like, So I don't know. I uh, Maybe he comes yeah. back and he actually dies. I don't know. Yeah, that would be actually really funny. I don't know. I, yeah. I like I like Boba Fett and everything, but I never got into him. I and I love the people that like were super into him because I have like very small minor characters that I love too. Um, but yeah, if they brought him back just for one episode and just immediately like killed him and you you see him like actually dead now, I think that would that would be something. I I don't know that they would do it, but I would like to see a, a like three way showdown between the Mandalorian, Cobb Vanth, and Boba Fett, or maybe there's a a switcheroo where you know Boba Fett is not in his armor and the Mandalorian doesn't believe him that he's Boba Fett because he doesn't have the armor and then he's with Cobb Vanth who is in the armor and he has to sigh and then there's a switcheroo I don't know it could give me very like you know the end scene of Solo vibes you know with the the whole like switcheroo concept I think that would be I think that would be really cool if that was uh something that happened for sure uh yeah like you said, Sabine has been rumored. Bo-Katan has also been rumored. I feel like every everybody connected to Rebels and Clone Wars has somewhat been rumored. But I think I think Ahsoka and I think you know whoever Tamora Mor- Morrison. I think those are for sure's. But outside of that, I'm really not sure on on any of these other rumors. To be honest, I've gone back and forth on Sabine. You know, when I first saw the trailer, I when we saw Sasha Banks, I was like, okay, so that's Sabine right there. Because if you know who Sasha Banks is in the in the WWE world, so that was the immediate everyone connected, you know, her to that character. I can't remember who I was watching on their. I wish I could give credit. I was watching someone's breakdown of the trailer, and they 
turn the sound down. And when that care, they talk about the, the sorcerers and they show her character. And then if you listen closely, it sounds like the dark sabers igniting there. Like they kept showing the dark saber igniting when Moff had it to that, like, and they kept going back and forth. So, you know, is that a thing? Is it, are people just making things up to make you, yes, they are, but you know, Oh my God, is that the dark saber? So then it would make sense if it was Sabine, but I love that's why I, I love this time of like Star Wars. <laughs> the, like the the lead up to the shows are so, so good. And the movies, like the speculation and the hype and the breaking down of the trailers. Like we talked about this with the last Jedi trailer, but just like that little type of stuff where it's like, it's probably not even a thing, but it's so yeah. fun to think that they are like that, like detailed and would slide it in there just to make, make people think that I just, yeah. I don't know. I love, I love the, that type of speculation. It's just, it's always so fun. Me too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it could be totally off the wall, but this is one of those, things, Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you got a point there, you know, like uh, George talking to Jerry, you know, they don't know what they're going to tell you. You need Johnson rod. Oh yeah. You need Johnson rod. Go ahead and put that in. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Whatever her character is, you know, she could be an she could be an inquisitor, you know, following them or someone that works about another bounty hunter. I mean, it doesn't, you know, she doesn't match the uh, ethnicity of Sabine. They're, yeah, I don't. I don't not. think she's. I don't think she's Sabine. Based on that, I don't think they would do that because that's just. Yeah, I. I would hope they wouldn't totally do something like that. But yeah, I, I think, I think Sasha Banks character is probably just a new character that we haven't seen before. And whether she's on the good side or the bad side, we don't really know. I mean, she could work for Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. She could work for someone on the other side. Or she could work for the people that, you know, had baby Yoda originally, you know, like that's what we're still like. We're still not sure. Like who had baby Yoda first, who did Mandalorian get him for? Like maybe she works for those people that she wants to get him back. Like, why did those people want him? Like, we just, we don't know some of these things. And yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's fun to think about. Cause there's so many, I mean, she could work for Luke Skywalker and be searching out, mm-hmm. you know, other force sensitive beings. Like we don't know, like the, Luke, Luke, I don't think Luke's going to show up by any means, but I think the presence of Luke could be brought up in this because the armor brings up that the Jedi were this, you know, ancient thing, you know, these sorcerers from all the way back, but it's, it's not that far away, you know? And so, yeah. That, I almost said it earlier when you said that's still one thing that bothers me. I know they can go back to it, you know, with uh, Grand Marf talking, talking to Darth Vader, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, you, my friend of the last of that dying religion or the one guy saying, you know, your your dedication to that, you know, wizardry is a joke. And, you know, I find your lack of faith disturbing, la, 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 you know, Han Solo. I've seen a lot of things from galaxy, you know, from going to galaxy to galaxy, you know, not one little thing controls my will. So all those little things, but like, you know, during the separatist army that like there was like a Jedi assigned to every planet to protect those separatist invasions. So I don't know how, I mean, Jim was a a child, so maybe he doesn't know, but like, again, on every single planet, there was a, a sorcerer with a colored lightsaber protecting that planet with an army of clone troopers from all the separatist army attacks on all these planets, we were all the planets that they visited in Clone Wars. You saw all of them. <laughs> you saw the Twi'leks home planet. You saw um, you saw Kashyyyk. You, I mean, like all these planets, 
that so everyone had a, a Jedi guarding them. And then all of a sudden they're just, you know, 35 years later, no one knows anything about them. And then Luke Skywalker just basically saved the galaxy. And then five years from now, no one knows that Luke did that. Like, I, I yeah. just don't, I just don't believe it. And okay. What, yeah. How, how far did, did Luke start his, his Jedi temple? He was out searching and we know that he had lots of students with like uh, what, 15 students. I can't remember how many he had. It's not like they were, I don't know. It just bothers me that they they really are that try to distance themselves themselves from everything. And Sky Talkers talks about it a lot, where they're like, "How how does history work? Like, how do the history books like how? I mean, we've seen it in our own history of history being wiped out and be you know just in in different like regimes throughout the years, and it's probably more prevalent right now here than it ever has been you know in a long time but i don't know it's uh how the empire was worked and wiped out all that stuff is just i mean that's probably the the plan right that was the emperor's plan was to do that and really wipe out every inkling of the jedi happening but yeah it's just funny how they're just always like this ancient i know of such things you know this kind of thing so yeah it'll be interesting to see how the how the jedi you know, come up in this series because the armor has already put it out there. They put it in the trailer. They're going to be talking about Jedi in some capacity in this season. And the armor too. How does the armor not know about them? I mean, they were on, there was yeah, how old Darth, Ma- how old Darth Maul ran your yeah. planet. <laughs> I mean, he ran your planet. Were you an infant at that time? I mean, uh, you know, like I don't, uh, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And each one of them had friends. You know, Rex had friends. Zeb believed in Jedi. He was on a different planet. Kals knew about him. Like, you know, you think the degrees of separation. Anyways, we could talk about that forever, but uh, (laughs) we can move on. Yes. Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. So I'm interested to see who also see who Michael Bean's character is. I think he's been confirmed as a, as a, um, uh, an actor in the show, which I love Michael Bean. He's from, you know, Terminator, if you didn't know that, and uh, Tombstone. So uh, what character could he be playing? Really excited to, you know, for that, you know, would we get Rex? Would we get Zeb? Would we get Chopper to set up some, you know, I've gotten little tidbits of Chopper here and there um, and other things. You know, are we going to have a mall flashback? With the movie, the, are we going to go back into the history of the Darksaber? Uh, that would be kind of cool. I do think Luke's going to show up at some point, but maybe not this season. They're really going to have season three or in season four. Um, I think they have to, maybe not. Um, I think it would be cool. I wouldn't necessarily be upset if they didn't. I think, yeah, with Luke, I think possibly at some point, but I don't know. It's just, he's one of those characters where it's like, that's, they'd have to really, really do it right. I think that if any of the original trilogy c- characters show up, I think that, I don't know if you paid attention to Eunice Satama's YouTube channel or anything lately, but he's been talking about the Mandalorian a lot. So like, mm-hmm. that's my, that's my wild card is Chewbacca showing up in this one. But yeah, I don't think, I think Luke, we're probably still, probably still a couple seasons away if, if they do that, but that could, I mean, that could lead into something or that could be the finale, you know, the series finale, depending yeah. on how long this goes to. But yeah, I'd like to possibly see some other um, bounty hunters. You know, may, we've seen some Tradotians, but maybe we see Bosk. You know, um, I don't remember when Dengar died. Do we see? Uh, uh, do we Dengar, see Dengar? Dengar is still alive in the Rise okay. of Skywalker because he okay. is. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> he, yeah. He so do we like, see Dengar? 
Do we see yeah. Ninum or do we see Maz Kanata? I mean, I don't know if we like, are we getting too, you know, too far in the weeds? Or, yeah. I mean, we, we, we've been told we're going to get a new, a first order rise to get us some information there. So then would we see Kylo Ren? I mean, would we see Ben Solo? You know, um, back to Jedi Fallen Order, the Ninth Sister is in Jedi Fallen Order. And he, how many more Inquisitors were there? You know, that I think they could tie that in possibly. You know, I don't know. Can we get, are there more Inquisitors? Because Could Sasha Banks be the Ninth Sister? You know, I'm not saying that she is. I'm, I'm just throwing, you know, is she an Inquisitor? Are we going to see something like that? And my little uh, thing that I've been, that I really think might happen. Okay, so this is this is probably I'm reaching here. I'm reaching here, but you know this as we're as we're looking into this whole thing and the armor's uh, creed to him to go out and find you know people of uh, whether it means Yoda species or other Jedi sorcerers. Will you not? And we see them on that in the in the trailer. We see him on that boat with Mon Calamari. You can it you basically see Corrin in that shot, but if you look off to the left and the right, you can see some Mon Calamari. So really cool, by the way, if we, if that's, if they're above like their city and that's the planet they're on, cause we only really see that in Clone Wars. But if you've read any of the Rise of Kylo Wynn comic books, one of the, one of Luke's Jedi is a Corrin. His name's Hennix. And they, those there's, there's three of them. Kennex, um, Vo and Ty. Those are the three uh, Jedi that don't believe the story that Luke turned on him that, that Ben gives them. But that would be a cool, this is, I mean, this is just speculation that they're on that boat with many, many Corrin. And maybe this is one of baby Yoda senses or they approach in some way. And that's a connection. Again, that's, uh, this is, again, this is, rampant speculation, but they're searching for Jedi and he's a Jedi that we know that goes to Luke's temple. And it's around the same, obviously it's around the same time period. So it could be nothing, but I, I, um, one connection that I would be really cool if it did come to fruition again, I'm just, I'm wildly speculating here, but. Could make sense. I mean, they're going to be looking for force sensitive beings or they're going to run into some most likely because now that the the secret's out, like the force is real, they've seen Baby Yoda use it, right? There, it's it's out there. It's gonna be a thing. The child's gonna use the force this season. Like it's just gotta happen. We saw it so many times in season one. It's gonna happen again. And yeah, maybe we see those abilities where it's uh, force senses things, or um, maybe the child starts talking this season. You know, like maybe yeah. this is the season where the, the baby starts talking and like you know maybe once they hit 51 it's like okay i can talk now and i talk like a little miniature yoda but we get that so maybe the child has had visions or has had dreams or whatever where maybe the child's leading the way on some of this too because um you know as good as the mandalorian is i think you know using the force is is going to be a big part in this so yeah that's that's a good call i mean they're going to be on a lot of different planets and that that could certainly certainly come to fruition i think the i think the biggest thing for me for season two is moff gideon and getting to know more about moff gideon you know we, we get that that din Djarin says that this is moff gideon because he knows of him from the night of a thousand tears and that the only record of din Djarin's name is on mandalore in those records and the only people that had 
access to that would would have been Moff Gideon, who was an ISB agent at the time. Him being an ISB agent and being, you know, I I just it's not enough. I think he's got to be like way higher up than we even know. Like, is he a part of the Emperor's contingency plan? Did he work directly for the Emperor at one point? Can he use the force? Is he an inquisitor? You know, obviously if he was an ISB agent, he moved his way up somehow because he is like all the way on top. But obviously he wants the child, wants the child very, very bad means more than more to him than, than he, you know, anyone would know is what he says. Mm-hmm. Why exactly he wants that child? Do they want to clone it? Do they want to turn that child to the dark side and use him, you know, brainwash him as a child? What is it? But I think Moff Gideon is probably the most interesting character out of all the characters going into season two. I, I agree. He's, he's, there's definitely more to be hold. I just really hope that it has nothing to do with the Emperor. I'm done with the Emperor. Uh, Rise of Power <laughs> ruined the Emperor for me, so I don't, I don't want them to say they're collect harvesting his 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 genes so they could help make little smoke Snoke. Uh, and you know, I don't, I, you know, like I, I don't, I just hope. I mean, I just hope it has nothing to do with the Emperor, even though he's alive. That's, that's funny because we were just talking about Snoke theories the other day and how many like bad Snoke theories there were out there, and like Ezra, like the Grand Inquisitor, but we should have known that technically Snoke came from Baby Yoda because Baby Yoda was, they used, they used his midichlorians to uh, clone Snoke or create Snoke or however. So there we go. Then we solved the, the Snoke, <laughs> Snoke theory right there. But yeah, no. They the might lose me is, if that's the route they take. They might lose me. I might be a little upset for a while. I might have to go dark for a couple of weeks if that's <laughs> indeed the case. So uh, I just don't want anything to do with the Emperor. I'm done with the Emperor. We'll see. Nick might have to go on a whole nother vacation here from the show if uh, in, in chapter one we get a Emperor reference. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Gideon is is so intriguing. There's there's so many there's so many theories. And yeah, how he has the dark saber, why he has it. We already know like interviews that uh, Giancarlo Esposito has done. He said he's going to be using it, like having some fights. So yeah. like, is he fighting yeah. someone with a lightsaber? Is he fighting the Mandalorian who has a different weapon now? Uh, what's going on there? Like, who is he going to fight and how did he learn how to use it? How did he, you know, does, I, I think he's force sensitive and I think that he's going to show that this season. I don't know. It could go, it could go so many different ways. Yeah, I agree. I, I do, do want to see what he has to offer. He does. He's a very, very interesting character and, and um, Jim Carl plays him so well, even though we only got to see him for two, two episodes. Yeah, I hope we get a, a lot, lot more of him this season because, yeah, he's he's such a great character. All right, well, that I think that wraps up our Season 2 primer. Hopefully you enjoyed this. It got you kind of uh, recapped on where we are, possibly where we could be going. Uh, I know we just caused more questions and, and brought up any answers, but um, it was a lot of fun getting back into it. We're so close. We are so close to the Mandalorian. It's, it's going to be here soon and we can, we're probably going to try to do weekly episodes uh, recapping and even further speculation on all this stuff. But Nick, thanks for coming back on the show. Nice to see you. Nice to have you. Hope you had a good time. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Look forward to <laughs> many more in the future. 
<laughs> yes, definitely. Hopefully soon. But yeah, that about wraps it up. Thank you for coming along on this journey with us. We we're so hyped for season two. And yeah, it was so fun to, to be able to talk about this again and, and get excited for it. So you can follow the show on Twitter at Force Time Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Force Time Pod as well. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Thanks again. And may the force be with you. Yeah.